Earlier this month, I read a commentary that challenged me. Essentially, the author argued that it is fine and often necessary for Catholics to criticize the political right and political left. But unless we articulate a vision for society more potent and more compelling than what these political movements have on offer, our criticisms will be useless. It's not that we are lacking for material, of course. The Catholic philosophical and theological tradition has the most comprehensive and robust vision for society that can be found anywhere in human thought. Instead, this commentary claimed that we were lacking for voices who would bring this Catholic vision into the public consciousness once again. Like I said, this was convicting, particularly to me as a preacher. Have I done the study and prayer necessary to allow a coherently Catholic vision of society to grow in my heart and mind? Have I shared with our parishioners the fruit of this study and prayer? Do our people know that there is a third way, a Catholic way, beyond what is offered by the Democrats and Republicans? Well, I know I need to preach on these things. I'm not exactly sure how. It is up to the Holy Spirit to let me know when to preach and what to preach. I have a vague notion that I will need to preach at some point on distributism and personalism, as those are kind of the most formal formal instantiations of Catholic societal thought. But I don't know when that's going to come up. I do know on Christmas I felt called to preach on the locality of Jesus, and today I feel called to preach on the fact that salvation for the world will come from salvation for our families. The Catholic vision of society is very local. It's very based on who is directly in front of us, who who is our neighbor. Um, And so those two things seem to serve that, and that's where we're going this morning. I don't think it is an exaggeration to say that the salvation of the world is dependent on the salvation of our families. In our first reading from the book of Sirach, The author enjoins us to honor and obey our parents, a command not particularly unique to the Judeo-Christian tradition. But Sirach connects this filial duty to certain blessings, such as storing up riches, being gladdened by children, having a long life, and having a house raised in justice. He even says that honoring and obeying our parents will result in the atonement for our sins and having our prayers heard, two things that approach very nearly to what we mean by salvation. Pay attention to this. Sirach sets up a cause-and-effect relationship. If we honor and obey our parents, then we will receive every blessing which human beings traditionally desire health, wealth, comfort, and peace, along with the supernatural blessings of freedom from sin and answered prayers. And if we do not honor and obey our parents, well, the implication is clear enough. It is not an exaggeration to say that, at least according to Sirach, our happiness and salvation is dependent 
on how we treat our families. Now, the deeper question is, why might this be the case? It is because the family is the primordial community. We human beings are made in the image of God, meaning that we are made in the image of a loving relationship between persons. We find our truest and deepest identities in love, that is, in acts of self-sacrifice for others, modeled on Jesus' own self-sacrifice on the cross. And it is in the family that these acts of love are learned and lived out most profoundly. Our family is our first and most important community of love, the community given to us directly by God himself so that we can love and be loved. It is through the love of family that we learn to become truly and fully human, which is why Jesus himself had to be born into a family, so that he could experience the fullness of humanity, a humanity defined by love. The fact that our family is our primordial community of love means two things. First, it means that our family is the test of our love. Does it really matter if we love the stranger whom we only see once, or the co-worker whom we only see a few hours a day, if we cannot love our family with whom we share our home and the entirety of our lives? It is like the statement from the first letter of St. John, which reads, If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We might modify that to apply to families and say, whoever says he loves his neighbor but does not love the one living in his own home is a liar, for he cannot love one who is afar before loving the one who is near. Consider our second reading. St. Paul enjoins us to Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if one has a grievance against another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also do. St. Paul also tells us to teach and admonish one another. As much as all this may apply to strangers or acquaintances, it applies a thousand times more to our families and is a thousand times harder to carry out there. Our families are where our Christianity is truly put to the test. Second, the fact that our families are our primordial communities of love means that the type of love present in our families is a more profound love than can be found anywhere else. The ones who have known us since birth, the ones who have seen us in our best times and in our worst times, the ones who exist within the sanctuaries of our homes, these are the ones who can love us more profoundly than anyone else ever can. Of course, 
This also means that our families can hurt us more than anyone else ever can. I hear confessions, so I am not naive to the fact that a broken family can bring incredible destruction into a life. I am also not naive to the fact that even in healthy families, many of our most common sins happen between family members. We are perversely our worst selves around the people we love the most. It is for exactly this reason that I say that the salvation of the world is dependent on the salvation of our families. The greatest good and the greatest evils begin in our families. If we allow Jesus to enter into our families and heal them and save them, he will, from there, bring salvation to the rest of society. But if we exclude Jesus from our families or give our families over to sin and hatred, Jesus will have no presence in the wider world. So how do we bring the salvation of Jesus into our families? There's so many things I can say here. I could preach a homily on that question every day for a year. But I'm only going to focus on one today, the one I think is the most important, and that is forgiveness. We have to forgive each other. We just have to forgive each other. Unforgiveness is the cancer that aggressively destroys families, and it is one of the most heartbreaking things I have to confront in the confessional. Like with everything in this world, the greatest goods can become corrupted into the greatest evils. And the profound goodness and love of a family is only matched by the profound evil of the corruption and division that comes from unforgiveness between family members. Even little sins need forgiven. If you are in a healthy, intact family, then be on your guard against small resentments that build. Attack these resentments aggressively. Ask for forgiveness for yourself with humility. Forgive others generously. We have to be so careful to keep this cancer at bay. When a marriage breaks down, I so often see little sins from the very beginning of the relationship get brought up with surprising force. And I always wonder what the relationship might have looked like had these little resentments been forgiven rather than repressed or indulged. If you are a member of a family that is broken beyond repair, maybe through divorce, maybe through irreparable toxic dynamics, then it is crucial to work through the process of forgiveness. God desires us all to have a beautiful community of love, usually through a family. But if that is impossible, God himself will fill in the gaps. The issue is that there needs to be a hole for God to fill. If our family is broken, but we have filled that hole in our heart with obsessive bitterness and resentment for those who hurt us or abandoned us, then God has nowhere to pour his grace. We must first lay down our burdens through forgiveness so that God can repair what was lost. 
In all cases, we must pray for our family members by name, daily if we can. Praying for our family members begins the process of forgiveness and protects us from the bitterness and unforgiveness that are the sharp and effective tools of the devil. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the coherently Catholic vision of society always begins with the family as the basic building block of every societal relationship. The family is our first and most important focus. A Catholic seeking justice in this world should always seek to protect and strengthen the family before all else both personally in our own families and also in the law. We should not be surprised that we are now confronting a divided and dysfunctional society after decades of watching the family weaken and decay. We learn to love in our families. So without a culture of family, we will never have a culture of love. I pray that God may strengthen and save your families, whatever they may look like. I pray that Mary and Joseph would intercede for us, so that Christ may be the center of our families, just as he was the center of theirs. I pray that God may heal whatever is broken, so that each and every one of us can experience the blessing of family, a blessing given to us by our Creator, from the very beginning. I pray that we can put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if one has a grievance against another. As the Lord has forgiven us, so must we also do.